Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Alicia Shanice Reviews. I am your host, it's your girl Shanice, coming back at you with another podcast, and we are on episode 51. Today's topic is Power Book 3, Raising Canaan, titled The Cost of Business. And this episode was straight fire. Man, one thing 50 know how to do is make a damn good show. So... We're going to get into that. Just a few church announcements. Happy Sunday, by the way. I hope you guys are enjoying your day. Um, I did do a, my special 50th episode last night. I hope you guys check that out. Um, it was just my favorite top 50 movies of the 90s. So check that out. Um, I'm going to come back on later and do Snowfall episode 5 tonight. And then after tonight, I'm going to take a few days off. I have to really um, do some writing. And once I get in my writing bag, my head is kind of just like, I like to just strictly stay in writing mode. So no pot for today, but I did try to drop enough content out there to last for a couple of days. So um, since Friday, I think I did Snowfall episode four. I'll do five tonight. We did the special 50th episode and now Raising Canaan. So that's pretty much it for the show. Um, for the, I mean, for the announcements. Don't forget, I've been shouting out some things I've been through. A memoir by Jamil from Gully TV. Lindsay, uh, he has a YouTube channel, over 100,000 um, subscribers. Really dope YouTube channel, really dope content. So um, check that out. It's a really dope read. The book is on Amazon. I'm telling you, this book is dope. Um, and if you will be in the Atlanta area, in the Roswell area to be exact, my friend is opening up a spa and it is called Ambience Health and Wellness Spa. And she will be specializing in all types of things. She'll be doing mineral detox and body wraps, ionic foot baths, vaginal steams. She'll even do the Korean hip baths, the colonic hydrotherapy colonics, the Himalayan salt, sauna therapy. And with everything going on right now, the best thing, health is wealth. And if you will be in the Atlanta area, sometime the end of September, the doors will be open and it will be $10 off any service with the flyer. So shout out to my friend Amber. I will get to shouting that out more and more every time we do a pod. And I will give out the address soon. It will be in the Roswell area. So as soon as she opens up, I'll shout that address out as well. And don't forget, you can always follow me on my social media platforms, Alicia Shanice for Facebook and IG. And don't forget, if you have Spotify, you can follow me on there. I have made all of my playlists public. And when I say I got some songs on there, those playlists is right. I sent some to my mom the other day and she like, what you know about that? <laughs> I was talking about I have 80s, 90s, elevator music, gospel music, blues, Motown. I've made all the playlists. So that's pretty much that for the opening scene. So let's go ahead and get into the show. Name is Shanice and she's the one. Her name is Shanice and she's the one. So this was a strong episode. I mean, 
and let's just before we get into it let's go ahead and give the girl who is playing jukebox her flowers she is playing this this um she's playing this role and i'm when I, I say let's just give her her flowers her voice is so beautiful when she sings and her you know facial expressions the the how she acts it draws you in and it has you feeling sorry for her like hell you you knew nicole and you know you in the family you you get the feeling her pain and that's what you call damn good acting shout out to her and then shout out to the girl who was playing the lady i didn't mean to say girl the lady who was playing rock um i know she comes from like um a broadway background uh she is playing that role um even the guy who's playing canaan he's giving you the little inner 50 cent vibes like i mean this power to me is the best and i say out of all the powers i liked it the original power season one and two those were just straight fire uh, when it got to three and on on down, it kind of got to dropping. But you know, as shows go on, it does do that sometimes. Every show is like season one is always the best. But to be honest, this power raising Canaan, I'm liking it the best out of all of them. I'm loving every part of it. I'm loving on even the music that they drop, the clothes that they wear, the cars you see them driving in. It's giving you that straight late '80s '90s nostalgia. So yeah, it opens up. And it's a beautiful, touching scene. I love, one thing I love is when they play the piano music, I feel like an emotional scene and the piano music is in the background. Um, if I can ever turn my book into a script like I want to, that I will definitely use that for some of the things I wrote. It's something that that does to me, um, the piano music. And we got Jukebox, they got the sad music playing, and you can just feel her pain. And her and Kanan, they're watching everybody go into the church for the funeral. So they go in there together, and we see Kanan is right by Jukebox side. And one thing I am loving about this show is because we know the aftermath. We know the demise of Kanan and Jukebox. So I love to see on one part how they were so close growing up. And then it makes it even more messed up when you go back and see the ending of those two. But um, he's there for her every step of the way. And she goes in there. And when she looks at Nicole's picture, she just, you know, breaks down like it is eating her up. And the father sees her. And we see, you know, the two old women walk past and they're like, I heard it was a heart attack. I heard it was a heart failure, heart problem. So we see that they're not telling people what she really died from in her family. But her dad comes and he's like, you know, Laverne, you shouldn't be here. You you have to go. And then you got old mama bear come over there, honey. She's so damn annoying. Get out of here. <laughs> you know, I can't stand the mama. She just do the most. So, you know, they put them out. Jukebox just takes off and leaves. And Kana looks... And he like, you know, my cousin really did love your daughter. And he walks out. So after that, we go into another scene and we see Julia. She goes, she's serving up cooking dinner and she goes and gives her husband the dinner. Now, this is this looked it, you know, like it was done purposely when she dropped the food on him. Like, you know, it's an, it's an accident. I kind of seen where they were going because you could tell she purposely you know, wasted the dinner on him. So I kind of seen where they going, where they were going. But, honey, when he punched her and he grabbed that belt 
that gave me straight godfather scenes remember when uh wasn't it sunny wasn't he the brother-in-law who kept whooping uh michael corleone's his sister ass what it he grabbed that belt and got the whooping her in the godfather it gave me those scenes because this is like the, er, the earlier was the late 80s and this type of stuff was happening husbands were really whooping their wives butt, you know so that was an authentic scene but it was i seen where they were going when she ran outside i'm like oh yeah when he go outside somebody gonna be waiting on him and we got rock sitting out there like the black widow she got her little shades on and she straight popped him in the head and you know that was a good moment i seen where it was going and a rock strike straight killed them so we pretty much can see that this is going where rock will definitely be in in with she's going to eventually be in with their family all the way and she's going to be running that bodega and julia is going to be able to run the bodega the way she wanted to because remember it was her idea to work with them in the first place she sucked them out and told lulu originally about her cousin so that's definitely going to go somewhere now they got gabriel out the way the bodega is all there they can run it how they want to run it so that's gonna be good for the business of rock so we go into the next scene and we see detective burke and detective howard they're they're the one investigating and they're they run into like you know the, the crack house um or like the warehouse where all of those uh guys were at and how they've been finding multiple dead bodies in the blue caps by them all you know and He's telling that she's like, this has to be connected to Rock. And he's he telling her, like, look, that's bad for business. That bring police. Rock and Unique both know the game too much. They not finna push this out. This is somebody new who don't know what they're doing. And he's trying to tell Detective Burke, as much as Detective Burke wants to do a good job, Detective Howard, he's a, he's a scumbag, but he knows the streets and he knows his neighborhood. So everything he's telling her, he running it down to her that, no, this is not neither one of them. And <clears throat> they kind of, uh, they, they get the, you know, collecting the blue caps and you see all the dead bodies that they're finding. And he's telling them, you know, even though people are coming up dead, you know, that mean the highest better. So everybody is fiending for these blue, blue caps they looking for. So he running down the game to, you know, uh, Detective Burke. And we go into the next scene and we see Rock and Lulu. And she's like, what's the mathematics? <laughs> I love when they do that because it is so authentic. And the if you go off of the Supreme team, especially Premium, even the books I've read, they did, they, um, the, in New York, the mathematics was really big because that go off the five percenters, and that's how they did used to use their code. So, you know, when when Rock and Lulu do that, it makes it more authentic and it's straight a New York thing. You know, the five percenters are everywhere, but it was birthed from Clarence X, Clarence X in New York. Fun fact. Um, so we're at the table. You know, they discussing business. They bring up the blue caps. Marvin is like, "Well, I heard." came from you know he throwing them off playing dumb and Lulu like where you hear that from like streets you know so I love doing how they were show Lulu and Marvin bickering they do not get along and I'll get to that part at the end of it because we all seen how it played out but you know they can't stand each other you know and <clears throat> Marvin is playing dumb so he ended up walking out you know Rock tells him what to go do. He goes on it, and she kind of tests Lulu. She like, 
I need you to run me play by play. What was unique asking you? What did he say? Why did he even feel comfortable enough to come to you? He must have thought you was going to flip on me. And Lulu let her know, like, I'm the last one who I'm the most loyal one you got. So he 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 gives it to her. I felt that. Good acting, Malcolm. Lulu doing his thing. <laughs> I like him better than I did in Snowfall. But, um... Uh, she like, that's what I'm talking about. Because, you know, she can she can feel it from him. Like, no, nah, I was questioning the wrong one. You you my brother, you who I want to lead this empire to. She like, that's right. That's what I that's what I needed to hear. So <clears throat> after that, and then also Rock knows that Unique is not dumb enough to like she knows the game too. So she knows Unique is not out here selling these blue caps. So they know it's coming from somewhere and they're hearing you know, Marvin say he heard this, but he know he know it's him. So it goes to the next scene, and we see Unique. He is in one of his houses going off on his crew. You know, the dude trying to tell him, like, well, I heard. He like, I don't give a damn what you heard. He just cut my man off and get the tearing up the place just to tell his other homeboy to pick the mess up. So he is in there going off because he thinks that Rock is doing this on purpose to make it hot for them. So he is ready for war. And, you know, shout out again to Joey Badass. He is playing this role. Like the actors they have for Raising Canaan, man, down from Rock, Jukebox, and uh, Joey Badass, everybody. Like the acting on here, I really love this, this um cast. So after that, we see Detective Howard and Detective Burke. And they go to the, um get information from one of the fiends. And he is funny. <laughs> he played this role. He up there acting like he been clean. He ain't been doing nothing. And then he called them Ebony and Ivory. I died laughing. This was a funny scene. And, you know, Detective Howard, he ends up handing him some money uh, for the information. Pays him 20, then has 20 more. And, you know, he gives them up. He like, it's some young young ones. You know, they not from uh, they not from the South Jamaica South Side. They from Queensbridge. So we see Marvin, he didn't win and relocate a crew from Queensbridge. So that's when we learned that. And the fiend was funny. He like, y'all to stress me out. I gotta go smoke. That was just like a funny scene. I laughed the whole time on that. Um, Marvin and Kanan, they meet up and they talk about rock. And he like, man, one thing she not going to do, she going to find out. And the heat is on. But one thing she not going to do is kill her own son. Me, she'll kill me. And Lulu going to be sitting right there ready to pull that trigger. So it just shows you that it's a lot of history. Uh, Marvin had messed up a lot. Marvin is scared of what Rock is going to do, but they haven't really let us know that yet. And you see how he is like the black sheep. I I still like Marvin. I ain't going to lie. The first two episodes, I was not a Marvin fan, but I like Marvin. Marvin has become one of my favorite characters because he, he be messing up, though. <laughs> he do be messing up. So it does. We go to the next scene and we see detective howard and um detective burke they go into the strip club and they playing my prerogative in the background <laughs> oh my god and they find black rob he's sitting there they talking about they got six warrants out for him they pull him outside and he snitches in about five seconds they know everything <laughs> he gives up canaan he gives up rock he gives up how the, how it was cooked he gives up everything i mean 
he didn't even take two minutes. He snitched in five seconds. And then soon as Detective Howard hears Kanan's name, he's like, he, he lets them cuffs off. He like, Detective Burke, like, what is you doing? He, he like, that's all the information we need. I, I got to do some digging. And she is getting tired of him wanting to do his solo mission. She like, look, I am not going to have a captain coming down on my back again. And he like, look, I got it. Because at the end of the day, he is Kanan's dad and he want to protect Kanan. But he also wants that, that bone marrow from him. But at the end of the day, I don't like to call him a deadbeat technically because he never knew. But he is, he does want that bone marrow. That's the most important thing he wants. And I think that Detective Burke is going to go out and start doing solo missions of her own because she wants to do everything by the book. And, you know, working with Detective Howard is not going to get done like that. And that's the difference when you see a cop coming in from outside of the community, from one that's in the community. You know, not taking up for Howard because he he's dirty. But when you have cops who grew up around that inner city and knows that area, they know exactly what's going on. Somebody from the outside, they don't. Uh, <clears throat> we go and we go to the next scene and we see Lulu and Lulu goes to go see Crown. And he has like his lawyer with him, Mr. Johnny Cochran, a.k.a. David Kenner, from, the lawyer from Death Row. <laughs> If y'all know anything about David Kenner, y'all, I got that joke. But he goes in there, and, you know, we see the lawyer. He already know the game. And he goes in there and tells Crown Camacho, like, look, we are no longer associates. We're partners. I own 50% of Bulletproof Records. And he like, hold on. No, no, you're going to get the money from the two tapes we got coming. He said, no, 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 no. I own 50%. Extortion at its finest. He shows uh, Crown Camacho that gun and they sign those papers. And this is another thing that's so authentic because back in the day, especially in the early 90s, the drug dealers were trying to wash their money and they were putting it all in record labels. Most of your favorite record labels were funded by drug dealers and they were getting extorted. That's what it is. So we go into the next scene and we see jukebox she's sitting, standing outside nicole's brownstone she sees the parents walk out and get into the taxi and she goes and breaks in uh she broke that glass pretty easily by the way <laughs> so she gets up into the room and this is just like a very emotional scene i felt so bad for juke she's walking through nicole's room she's looking at all of her things and she pulls out the tape that they made at the mall them singing and she breaks down and i felt that like i felt her pain like i say this girl she is acting her butt off like seriously she is doing a great job um so that was a very emotional scene you had to feel that <clears throat> so then we go and we see rock she's waiting outside her car she watching the police in the corner come and you know they taking julia to the car we see julia putting on the oscar war performance honey <laughs> like she is a woman in distress from just losing her man and they kind of give each other a look and rock like that's right julia that's right <laughs> i liked it that part and then we also see rock driving off and we see detective howard honey he come pull over and you know he stops her she like i got stuff to do he's like oh no you don't so they meet up at the park and they start talking <clears throat> 
And this scene, I loved every minute of it because we found out so much information. And we found out that uh, he fills her on. He fills her in about Canaan. He tells her about the Queen Queensbridge dude snitching, so she know all about what's going on. The bodies being dropped, but then we find out the history of Rock and Detective Howard. Because I always said, I'm like, if it come out, I'm like, think about it. Um, the captain had already told Detective Burke that Detective Howard had been a cop for 25 years. Rock said she was like 15, 16. Canaan is only 15 when she got pregnant with him. Canaan is only 15. So Detective Howard was a grown ass man. But we find out that he was undercover when he got with her and that she lied and said she was 17, but she was actually 16. And she actually didn't know he was a cop. He was undercover and she lied about her age, but that still don't make it right. And then he like, well, you know, shit, I wasn't the only grown one. You was messing with DEFCON. He was a grown old man. And she like, I Def Defcon was he was left footed. So that's when we find out Defcon was gay and that they never did anything and she was just a cover for him. But she like, no matter what Defcon did, he was twice as man as he was. So they kind of going back and forth. And that was authentic too, because when you go back and you think in 2021's version and you look back at how things are now, it was a lot of covers. It's a lot of people, not even in a game, but in a drug game, on a football team, whatever. It was a lot of people who you might have thought they were like this couple and they were just a cover. So that was authentic and that does happen. So we see that that's why she said Defcon never even questioned her about was he Kane's daddy because he knew he wasn't. So they kind of talk and Detective Howard puts his foot down. He like, look, I'm tired of playing games with you. This is how it goes. I'm going to end up letting people know that you was messing with a cop and that's going to make you look like a snitch. I'm going to let people know that Kanan is a cop's son. And he was like, I'm a, she like, that's going to put him in danger. What type of dad are you? He said, no, I'm going to protect my son, but that's going to make it hard for you. And he lets her know. He like, look, and I'm going to tell you this right now. I want to see Kanan. Enough is enough. And if you try to send your punk ass brothers after me, I'm going to shoot first, ask questions last. Okay, Detective Howard. I'm like, okay, bruh. He laid the law down to Rock, and Rock couldn't do nothing but just stay in there, honey. <laughs> Rock finally got put in her place. But I loved that scene on how, you know, we just, <clears throat> excuse me, we uh, we seen the history and we got a history lesson. So we Rock pissed off, flies back to the house. She walks up in the house. Kana in there doing his pull-ups. I loved it. every bit of that scene because it gave you an inner 50 cent. <laughs> he just when he was doing those pull-ups, it just reminded you of 50 cent, honey. And she goes in there and she goes off on him. He tries to get mad and talk back like no, it's your fault. She said, no, this is you and your dumbass Uncle Marvin playing. He's still getting the smart rock slaps the shit out of Kanan. As she should, little smart little mouth, and she breaks it down to him. She kind of got we we get another history lesson. I'm like y'all just giving us history class on this episode. So we find out about Marvin. Well, she like you know you're working for your dumb Uncle Marvin. Let me tell you about Uncle Marvin. You know when you and Juke was babies and he was doing that bid. Let me tell you what happened when he was in charge. He got the messing with the product. 
rule number one don't get high on your own supply and we learned marvin was out there bad and then when he did get caught he when the police came and raided him he tried to sell to the cop so we learned marvin has always been messing up and one once upon a time he was in charge and that's how he handled it which was pretty common back in the day with the dealers they were you know getting strung out but I still like Marvin, <laughs> you know, I still don't think Marvin is just so dumb. He does a lot of dumb stuff, but a lot of stuff that has happened to their, um, you know, territory, it's on Kanan. And then she just breaks it down. Like ever since you got into the game, you've been messing up. You've been messing up this, you know, a buck 20 is on you. Uh, D Wiz is on you. And when she's, he like, like, hold on my D Wiz. And she breaks it down like the streets wanted a body. Unique crew was coming, but 20 crew was coming. So D-Wiz, that's on you. I killed D-Wiz. And that crushes little Kanan's heart. He kind of just gets up. He can't say nothing. And he just walk upstairs. And, and Rock got to look like she feel bad, but she still... <laughs> Rock is just, Rock is cold. Rock is cold. And if it's one thing about that bloodline from the show... She's so cold-hearted. When you look at the long, um, you know, down the long line, we see where Kanan gets it from or how he was so cold-hearted, and we see where Jukebox get it from. Their bloodline is just cold, cold as ice. Um, go into the next scene after that. Um, she also lets Kanan know, you think you're so smart, but you don't know shit. She breaks it down, honey. So we see on the next scene, Lulu is following Unique. He goes into one of those high-rise apartments, homes, kind of remind you of like Ghost, you know, where him and Tasha was living at the St. Patrick's on the original power. And, you know, he gives the keys to the doorman. And we see Lulu kind of creeping there. He like, hey, I left something in my man's car. And, you know, the security guard, he kind of, the doorman, he kind of little scared at first. But Lulu hands him some money. And then he also shows that pistol at the same time. So he gives him the keys. Lulu goes into Unique's car. He grabs his jacket. I don't know where they're going with that, but I'm sure it's going to pop up in episode 9 or 10. Just keep in mind, Lulu went into that car just to grab his coat. So that scene is left open for whatever's coming in 9 or 10. It's that coat. It's going to come back up. And that's his... Um, <clears throat> coat that's you know made made for him because you know back in the day everybody was going to dapper dan and then they showed on how he was getting his coat clothes like customized his jacket's customized so i'm sure that's going to play a big role in nine or ten with lulu having possession of his coat moving right along <clears throat> after that we see rock she goes into the apartment and she you know tell everybody else to leave as marvin called them dumb dmc and <laughs> you know she like how everything going and Marvin is a little nervous. You know, we, we see a, a more softer side of Marvin. You know, he's nervous and, you know, he's not all cocky like he normally is. And he as he's talking to her, she grabs that pole and beat just slams that. Shit. Oh, my God. I felt that. That's a damn rock. So, Rock, uh, she hits Marvin and, you know, she just gets to really let him have it, you know, verbally. Like she hits him, a, she whacks him a few times, but just verbally, and she cuts him off. She like, I am done with you, and I felt bad for Marvin. I felt bad. She cut him off business, 
family-wise, she's like, I don't ever want to talk to you again. She cuts him off. You know, Marvin, she's like, I can't do it no more. You've been messing up for years. And he kind of walks out. Come on now. Y'all feel, but didn't y'all feel bad for Marvin too? <laughs> I feel bad for Marvin. So after that, and we've seen a little emotion coming from her eyes too. You know, like it hurt her to cut him off. As heartless as she is, we've seen a little, you know, emotion that she didn't even want to do it. But she do know how you have that one family member who you give chance and chance and chance to. And, you know, to be successful in a business like that, you have to kind of be heartless like that. Um, but that's definitely not the end of their their uh, sibling relationship. We go into the next scene and we see Jukebox is still at Nicole's house in her room, just sitting there. And I'm thinking like, girl, get out the house. But from the previews, I had knew that they were going to catch her. So she is just looking and she, and while she's looking, she finds the letter that Nicole wrote her. And while she's looking for, while she's, um, you know, fibbling through her book bag, Nicole's dad busts in. She still is just sitting there. Now we see Nicole's dad. He doesn't have all that hate for jukebox like the mom has. And he's like, Laverne, you have to go. You have to go. And then um Queen Queen Mom comes in there and she like, You killed my daughter. You're the scum of the earth. And the police are gonna get you. And she's like, You killed her. Take this back to your ghetto. And she throws the blue cap. And that's when Juke realizes how Nicole died. And as the mom's going on, I had to lie to my mom about this. And, you know, Jukebox is hearing what she's saying, but she is froze. She is froze. And the cops come, and when they bust in the room, she just puts her hands up. And they arrest her. So now she knows on how Kanan crack killed Nicole. But, you know, with how Jukebox is, I was thinking, like, oh, Lord, what's she about to do? So... Kanan is, you know, he's going through it because he just found out, you know, the reason for D-Wiz murdered. And he goes to see Davina. He loves him some Davina. And when he goes to see Davina, CPS is there. And a neighbor comes out and tells him, like, you know, the mom been dead over a month. CPS finally came and got him. She's like, I know you feel bad, but this is the best thing. They don't need to be on their own. Um, so Kanan is heartbroken because he don't know where they took her to. And I don't think this is going to be the end of Davina. This is just a theory of mine. By I, I watch everything 50 Cent does. I love, you know, his his whole body of work. And normally with the get rich or die trying and then with the raising Kanan, he tries to base it off of his upstyle bringing, especially when it comes to Jamaica Queens. I don't think this is the end of Davina. I think Davina is going to be, as long as the show goes on, she's going to probably be a long-term girlfriend and they probably going to make her scandalous towards the end. He's going to try to do it like, like how his real baby mama is. Uh, 50, you know, he petty. But I, I don't think that's the end of Davina. I think Davina will be back. And I don't know if they're going to make that Sean's mom. I don't know. I don't know. I think he's going to make it like on how him and his long-term baby mama relationship was. But in original power, uh, Tasha was the, uh, <clears throat> remember Tasha, the twin Tasha from Tyler Perry movies. She was uh, Sean's mom and they was cool. So I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be like Davina in the future. We'll see. But I don't think that's the end of Davina. We go into the next scene and we see Lulu, him and Jessica, they're in there getting it on. 
she um is looking at those documents the paperwork he signed where he owns half of uh, bulletproof records we could tell that she was kind of in on that little deal too in in lulu's head and she is smiling happy and he's smiling and before he can even get up good to you know light his joint up she making plans like okay now we have to do this for famous and famous this and famous that he like hold on damn we just signed the papers and he like you just don't stop and she like no i never stop and i'm never satisfied i do not like jessica i don't think jessica is going to be any good for uh for um lulu i think she is very uh she's she's out for self she's out for self She's out for her brother. She says she's never satisfied. And I still think that they're going to go somewhere with this. I, I think, I don't know what it is, but it's going to be something with her and Crown Camacho. Maybe they might end up doing like some side stuff to try to get famous up and, you know, get from under Lulu. I don't know, but I think something is coming from that. But I do not like Jessica. And then he is just like had it with her. He's like, damn, you know, I just took 50% of this and you still ain't happy. So... Lulu is just having him a day. He is having him a day. And we go into the next scene and we see Jukebox. She is in the back of the police car on her way down to the station. And they get an alert saying a detective told them, let her go. She's free. This is coming from no other than Detective Burke. Detective Burke did this. She saved her. And uh, they let her out the car like, you know, it's your lucky day. And that came from Detective Burke. It is going to be a history in there. In the, in the scenes for an episode nine, we see that them we see Detective Burke and her bonding, and we see that she is warning Detective Burke like all the cops are in danger. So I don't know if they're going to have like a special bond where where um maybe that's how Jukebox becomes a cop. Because I think the way that they're doing it, Detective Burke is probably gay and they probably confide in each other and that probably become her mentor because, you know, Jukebox does become a police officer. So her, her, her record has to stay clear for that. So Detective Burke saves her and she's probably going to end up getting information from Juke. I don't know because Juke is real street too, but it's going to be something connected there. Um, after that, <clears throat> um. Let me see. I want to make sure I don't forget anything. Uh, sorry for the silence, guys. Okay, so after that, we go into the club scene. Now, we ain't seen Miss Tony in a minute. That's how we seen Tony. Uh, Marvin was walking out back with the dog. And they in there getting it on. And then we see a wire under the desk. So as soon as they're done, Marvin jumps up. <laughs> He like, where that money at you owe me? And she is going on and on. She like, I haven't seen you in weeks. I be, you know, just on and on. And she like, what, what do you, I'll give you the money. It's no problem. What do you need the money for? Tell me what I owe you the money for. And he, he, his mind is so messed up. He just, you know, got into it with his sister and he ain't even really catching on to what she doing. And he like, this bitch is crazy. And he walks out and she's still following after him. Just tell me what I owe you the money for. The wire is under there. And we see the two white guys. They sitting there watching. So they like undercover police. We see Symphony. And this is giving me some New York vibes between like a Madonna 
and Peter Shue. Peter Shue is the real version of Ghost in New York. He was like the big drug dealer who owned all the nightclubs and actually the singer Madonna. Madonna used to mess with all those drug dealers in New York back in the day. She ended up snitching on him. It gave me that type of vibe because, uh, you know, New, uh, 50 is definitely writing in like some things of New York's history. And we see that that Tony must have got in some trouble herself. She didn't got caught up some type of way and made a deal that she would bring Marvin down. And they're like, you ain't get you ain't get shit on this wiretape. This ain't nothing. And she's like, I can get something. He's a drug dealer. And they like, no matter what, you still in trouble. So Tony did something. But we got Symphony in the background who is peeping out everything. So Symphony is definitely going to let Rock know that Tony is snitching. And Tony better watch out. We seen what happened to little, little doggy over there, little puppy. So after that, uh, <clears throat> she so she don't get no information. So um, let's see. We go into the next scene and we see Rock and Joaquin. Now they're talking. It's like in a you know little gangster setting. He got his little dinner. He got his guys, and you know they ready to do business. And they end up pulling all their guns out on Rock. Because they like, no, we, we had to do some investigation on you. And we had to follow you around. And we seen, you know, you're talking to Detective Howard. What's up with that? And, you know, Rock, she kind of plays. She plays a real cool and smooth. And she lets them know that she was the one who took out Gabriel. And, you know, she's like, everybody got a cop on their payroll. So, Joaquin is willing to work with her. But he knows, like, look, um... <clears throat> You prove to me that that's what that's about. And he on your payroll and you got him where you want him and we can do business. And, you know, that also reminds me of when we covered Narcos. Remember, that's how they do stuff. When the high ups want to work with you or whoever, they're going to follow you around and, and dig around. And he not Dean. Dean is from the neighborhood. He knows about them. So it's not going to be as easy to get in with him. As she got in with Dean. Dean is giving me the fat cat. Like he's supposed to be portrayed off a of fat cat from Jamaica Queens. That's the that's the vibe I'm getting from Dean. But I do believe that her and Joaquin are going to end up working together. I think in season two, they already been picked up. She's going to definitely expand her operation and begin her product from Joaquin. They didn't do that killing Gabriel scene and her about to you know be running a bodega with Julia for nothing. Next season, that definitely will be her getting her product from them and her probably doing her thing in a bodega with Julia. So that's going to work out. Um, So Unique lets, it, lets his crew know it's time to turn all the lights off. Go get the business done. And I didn't know where they were going at first. At first, I thought they were going to Rock's house. But we see Jukebox and Kane meet up, and they're both feeling, like, just terrible. He's messed up off Davina, and she's messed up off Nicole. She also, you know, pulls out the blue cap, and Kanan is just like, I don't know what to say. He he feels terrible, but um, she doesn't blame him. She doesn't blame him and she doesn't blame herself either. She's just, she said, it's just this environment, which I kind of was thinking. And I'm like, I don't think they, you know, relationship going to get cut off this early in the game because um, clearly when he, when they end up introducing Tommy and Ghost as teenagers, Jukebox will still be in a picture at the time. So we know he still has to, you know, come up and he going to mentor Tommy and, uh, and Ghost and jukebox will still be in the picture around that time so i didn't think that she was just gonna 
I thought she probably was going to blame him, but I didn't think it was just going to be the end of their, you know, closeness. But that was a beautiful close moment between them two as they were talking. And we get into the final scene, and this was done very good by the way. Man, we got Lulu. He in the house. He pour his little glass of cognac. He cut on that damn Isley Brothers. Hell, he made me want to go pour a drink <laughs> and put me on some Isley Brothers. Man, you know, you just pour your little drink, have your, have your music on, you like, yeah, that's it right here. <laughs> but he, he that, that scene was done so, so effortless. Then when he put that little, before he put the Isley Brothers in, he opened up the cassette player <laughs> and remember those tapes and all we see is famous. He like, oh, hell no. <laughs> he throw that little tape out. He put those Isley Brothers on. Rock calls him and leaves him a cold. He like, I'm off today. And, and you know, he just sit down like he had a rough day. And he enjoyed his drink. And we see Unique's crew. They come and they throw those fire bombs in the house and they light shit up. Then we see Marvin coming on down right on time. And you know how Marvin is. Marvin had already had a rough day. And he gets to running into them, and they just get to shooting Marvin. I'm like, oh, my God, Marvin did. And we see Lulu, he got the shooting back at one point, but then he fell out. And they take off. But I'm thinking both of them hit, you know, bad. But Marvin is good. He gets out the house. He runs in there, and he saves his brother. I loved it this because this is giving me some I am my brother's keeper vibes. And then, you know, how they had the big argument and he still was there to save his baby brother. I loved it that it gave me some boys in the hood vibes after uh, Doughboy and Rick got into it real bad. And, you know, look at how he ran to go save his brother Rick when, you know, the dudes in a red car with that was after them. So it just gave me those type of vibes. I loved it that scene. I loved it watching um, Marvin pull him out. I don't think. Lulu is dead, you guys. I don't. Um, for number one, let's look at the bloodline. Remember Ghost and, and Kanan's big fight, and look at how uh Kanan survived that fire. Look at the bloodline. <laughs> Cold as Isaac could survive fire. So I don't think Lulu is dead. I think he's probably gonna be recovering for a while. But um in season two, I don't he's such a you know, a great actor. I don't think that they're going to get rid of him. I think he's going to be very detrimental in this series. So I think probably next season he'll be probably be doing his thing. I don't think that they'll have him buy 50% of bulletproof records and then it just be the end of his story. Also, they're bringing in Latoya Luckett from Destiny Child. She's going to play juke, Jukebox Mom. She's going to be like an aspiring singer who left Jukebox to go uh, off and do her dreams. But she's going to be like really in a church. So they're going to bring her on season two as well. So I think that'll be interesting as well. But that was my recap. I hope you guys enjoyed it. This was a really strong episode. I am loving this show. So we got two more left. And... They're going to probably be amazing. That that number 10 episode, that cliffhanger is probably going to be something. But I hope you guys enjoyed. I will drop Snowfall episode 5 tonight. And I'm going to take about a couple days off. You guys will have to write and do a couple other things. But we'll pick back up on Thursdays with the Snowfall recaps. So on that note, it's your girl Shanice, and I'm out. Hope you enjoyed the show with your girl Shanice. Oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man.